<laughs> oh god. Oh, hello. We are okay. We we have we have the green light of destiny and not the red light of death or the yellow light of science. <laughs> silence, not <What> science. <laughs> oh, uh, welcome back to the Logan and Jake Take podcast. It's been a minute since we spoke to you all, and we've seen many things. Some good, interim. some bad, some, some confounding, perplexing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Logan. Um, first off, before we get into the good, the bad, and the confusing of um, television and film media of late, how have you been? How was your week? It's a. Uh, it's been a week. It. I don't honestly don't even want to talk about it. It's just been a. Uh, it's been hectic. Been a lot of crazy things happening. Some good, some bad, some perplexing. Much like the films we've seen. But uh, all in all, I can't complain. I'm still here. To quote the illustrious uh, Elton John, I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're rolling right along. This is the last day of April. Um, you know what that means. Tomorrow, it's, <laughs> it's gonna, gonna be, be May. May. Uh, we, Although I guess when you're when everyone's listening to this, it is May. So. <laughs> um, it is May. A lot of stuff going on in the personal life. A lot of uh, interesting irons in the fire um, uh, in my personal life, of course. Like uh, gearing up to move this summer. A lot, just a lot going on. It's a busy time. We got a wedding coming up in the fall. Um, it's like four months away, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> shh. <laughs> Um, you got everything ready to go? Uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we got got just a lot of, a lot going on. It's been a busy busy time, um, busy few weeks, and it's only going to get busier. But believe me, I, I found time to watch a lot of things and a lot of stuff in there uh, because. There was no way that I was going to pass up most of what we're about to talk about. Um, some of it I have passed up, although I'll probably get around to watching it at some point, and I feel like you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, there's... And, and we're going to, of course, go into a, a season here soon where we have some more exciting things to talk about. I think Doctor Strange comes out next week. Yes, so it that'll does. Be, that'll yes. be something I really look forward to reviewing. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll come out in... Four days. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to that discussion when the time comes. Um, but before we dive in to uh, the film and television that has perplexed us and thrilled us and otherwise moved us in, in, in ways great and small over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. Logan, do you have any... Um, Hot takes. It's the quick take, quick takes, sir. Yes, the quick take. Memorize the bits, damn it. Um, oh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> or, well, do you have any hot takes? Is there anything you're going to drop today that would be a hot take? Vegan food's disgusting. It's not really a hot take. It's just my personal choice. I don't like vegan food. Um, that's not true. I like some vegan food. With as long as it's not pretending to be something it's not. Like, don't serve me vegan chicken wings. 
It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's an oxymoron. Beyond if there's me, not a chicken, there can't be wings. Beyond beyond is not an adjective that describes <laughs> a type of meat. Okay? It's not meat. Okay. It oh. should just be called not meat. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. But to be fair, Starbucks has a delicious Beyond Breakfast sandwich. Fire. It slaps. Well, Beyond Breakfast works if it's called Beyond Breakfast. It is called their Beyond Breakfast sandwich. Right. Yes. But like as long as they but didn't if, say Beyond yeah, Bacon. It can't be that like, just it means can't, not bacon. It can't right? be Burger King. It's the Beyond Whopper meat sandwich. Like, <laughs> fuck get fuck out of here. Like first of also you could spare me your Beyond Nuggets because you are already Beyond Nugget Meats. Yo, you, that was, first of all, you already nugget, Beyond Chicken. Nugget Meats, Pigeon Meat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unless you want to sponsor us, in which case those nuggets are 100% chicken. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love that zesty sauce. Also, okay, so like, I know some people, some people, you're they're vegan because, you know, they've got to think against animal cruelty and stuff like that. Then some people are just vegan because of the health benefits. Okay, cool. Um... If, that, if, if either of those is your reasoning, I don't judge you. But to that I say, who are these people that are going to fast food restaurants for, like, vegan sandwiches? Who's going to KFC for their Beyond Chicken Chicken sandwich? Because if you're vegan for moral reasons, because you don't like the cruelty, the cruel treatment of animals, you're still giving money to a company that, that, that slaughters billions of animals. So what? I don't understand. That's not the point, though. That's not the point. If you are vegan, hit us up. Tell me if there's any actual good vegan food out there. I'll try it. I like hummus. You like hummus? It's a good food. It's great for dipping. I mean, I like things that vegans can eat. So, like, uh, I enjoy salads from time to time. Mm. Uh, normally, it's the appetizer before I have a steak. But right. But, right. Uh, to be fair to vegans... I do enjoy salads. Um, if I had to eat a salad devoid of any animal product, I could do that. I do like good Caesar um, salad. I like... I don't know if that's devoid of animal product. I like, like you know, um, almonds and peanuts and things like that. I like fruits and veggies. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I like almonds, don't like almond milk. Uh, no, that's disgusting. Stop calling it milk if it's not dairy. Ag again, almond is not an adjective that describes a dairy product. <laughs> that's these are categories. Like words, wor I'm not going on this tangent. I swear, but like words have definitions, and the definitions still matter even in 2022. So almond milk, that's those are different things. But you can call it almond juice um, or almond delight. I mean, I, I, anything, anything delight sounds suspect automatically. <laughs> Turkish delight. <laughs> I know I'm not. A, I'm not the lackluster Pevensey child. I will not be eating any Turkish delight. Uh, also, that wasn't the quick take, by the way. No. Uh, so the quick take for this week, it was supplied by our good friend Hunter Dotson, our boy Hunter Dotson. Um, and I think I might have tweaked it some, or he might have just given me this as is. Top three animated movie soundtracks. Oh, dear. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Um, 
Oh, also, and to quote Hunter, why is number one the Prince of Egypt? I was going to say... Which, I'm not going to lie, on my list, Prince of Egypt is number one. Uh, yeah, I was going to say number one is Prince of Egypt. It's the, best, it's the um, best DreamWorks movie they've ever made. Why is it Prince of Egypt? Because Aida, which was the musical written by Elton John and Tim Rice right after they finished Lion King, was never adapted into an animated movie. That would have been a really good movie. So that is why... That is why... Mm. Prince of it because because Fair. its only competition in my mind does didn't exist. Fair. So, uh, but the more interesting question mm-hmm. is what are the other two? Yes. Um, for me, for me, it's probably it's probably. It's hard, isn't it? I want to say number three is Tarzan. Okay. The Tarzan let's, soundtrack. Let's take a second here. Okay. Tarzan. Fire. Fire. Bruh, Phil Collins the, went every, so hard. Everyone has seen the memes. Phil Collins didn't have to go that hard, but he did. He did that for us. And every day I wake up, I think to myself, thank you. Is Tarzan my favorite? One of my favorite Disney animated movies? No, not really. But I love that soundtrack. The soundtrack, Son of Man? The soundtrack elevates it beyond what the movie is. Yes. We don't deserve... First of all, we don't deserve to be able to listen to Son of Man. Because it's a great song. But think about it, right? The world has been around for, what, how many billions of years? It's been billions. But we were lucky enough to live in the time period where Phil Collins gave us the Tarzan soundtrack. Yeah. We serve a loving and merciful God. He he did that for us. The Lord put us here for that reason. Um and so number two, like I know everyone Phil list- Collins if you're listening, thank you. So everyone listening would assume that if I if if I bracketed off if I put number one as Prince of Egypt mm-hmm. and I've put number three as Tarzan, I feel like I know what your number two is, but I'm I curious. F- I feel like everyone who knows me thinks that I'm either going to go Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. or possibly Lion King. Mm-hmm. I'm not going either one of those. Okay, so you throw me for a loop already because I was going to say that you were going to say Beauty and the Beast, but then I was like, I don't know if he still. T- if he still got the, the the tainted memories of us doing Beauty and the Beast for 14 months straight, so he's not going to say it. It's not that it's tainted. I love the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But to me, there is no Disney soundtrack that was as fire as Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh my god. I'm, we're here. Bruh, Hunchback we're, of Notre Dame hun- is next level fire, and it was not for the kids. Out- Unlike Wu-Tang Out- Clan. Wu-Tang is for the children. Which is for the children. Hunchback Method Man, Method Man, if you listen. Okay. Thank you. Hunchback, all right, right, it opens with that Bells of Notre Dame bit. It gets me every time. Okay. I sing it unashamedly at full volume in me my car. Me too. I possibly uh, do permanent damage to my vocal cords every time. it. Out there. Oh, my God. Heaven's Light slash Hellfire. Hellfire is one of my favorite Disney songs mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. And... I also sing that at full volume in my car, and every time that I'm done, I think to myself, "What's wrong with me? This is not a this is not a song that you should just be singing like full blast, getting into it." But it's great. God help the outcasts. One of my favorite songs of all time. 
Which I feel like is a song that people should listen to nowadays. And I will say this. Uh, I, I love, the, I love the, the funny song about like, you know, <laughs> you know, Paris, the city of lovers is glowing this evening. True, that's because it's on fire. But still, there's L'Amour. Um, and so that would be Prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. Hunchback, and, and, and Tarzan. But I will say, in honor of the late Gilbert Gottfried, that an, that honorable mention goes to the uh, Return of Jafar soundtrack. And I don't even know if Gilbert Gottfried really did it. But that song I used to annoy you with that the parrot sings, Just forget about that guy. Forget about the way I fell into his eye. <laughs> Just forget about I hate that movie. Love. I hate that movie so much. Uh, True story. I <laughs> let, Okay, we're, we're, get, I'm gonna, we're gonna get back to this. The first Aladdin movie. Best soundtrack of them all. The second one, it's okay. I prefer just because of the song, which whose name I can't remember at the moment. It's the song that um, in the third movie that uh, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves are singing or whatever. I'll remember it before the end of this episode, and if I do, I'll, I'll mention it. I really enjoy that song, but uh, that third movie was fire. It's better than the second one, and I feel <laughs> like people are just like. The People third, sleep on that movie. The third movie is also the the reprise of um oh what is it? it's at the very end of the movie uh, Arabian Nights mm-hmm. where uh, Iago and Aladdin's dad just like ride off into like the death. So good. So also Aladdin gets to meet his dad. It's a good movie. Yeah, his dad. Problematic dad, but loving loving father who tried to steal from the sultan but i mean look everybody we've makes mistakes we've all been there how do you know how many times i've been in like the palace of a sultan and i've been tempted to just steal like a bunch of stuff it happens it happens it's why i'm not allowed within the city of agrabah anymore but hey uh but no solid list so what were they again uh so number three was Tarzan. Number mm-hmm. two was the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right. Number one, of course, would be Prince of Egypt. Right. Um, and I mean, favorite song from Prince of Egypt. Um, and why is it the plagues of Egypt? <laughs> that song is it. <laughs> um, I will never let your people go. Um, Thus saith the Lord. Oh, um, so good. Uh, my f- oh wait, can I guess? Yes. Through heaven's eyes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Such a good song. Oh, I it's so that. good. <laughs> a Look single at thread in a tapestry, brightly <laughs> shine, <laughs> and never see its purpose in the pattern <laughs> of the grand design. Oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah, that's I love a, that movie. And so they finally fun. made that a Broadway musical a couple of years ago. I want to do it. Uh, I want to do it so uh, bad. It, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty bad. good. Uh, that that's one that would be on my list of shows I'd like to do. Yes. Um. All right. Uh, my top three, real quick. Only because of two specific songs, I feel like these two songs are the best parts of the soundtrack. And even though the rest of the soundtrack's kind of eh, I feel like it elevates it to a whole new level. I know where you're going. Where am I going? Lion King? Mm. No. 
I'm not going Lion King. I'm leaving Lion King off the list because I feel like a lot of people, because they, they know how much I love Lion if King. If it was Lion King, mm-hmm. why would it be Be Prepared in Circle of Life? Sir? <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Sir. Those are the greatest songs of the Disney Renaissance. <laughs> Those are my favorite songs. Dude, I love me some Be Prepared. From from the fact that Scar is just a sassy bitch. The whole, the whole movie, but especially in that song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so good! You got you got Scar being sassy. You got the hyenas goose stepping. It gets real like Nazi Germany real quick, and but I'm, in like a fun I, Disney. I'm not gonna go on a tangent, mm-hmm. but be prepared. Mm-hmm. I was saying the other day because I was because with it being April and me watching all the Titanic stuff lately. Right, I was watching one of those documentaries. Where I don't was, like where this is going. <laughs> where, it, where it was going through all those wacky conspiracy theories, and of course, there's the one where like for insurance reasons, like. JP Morgan or whatever intentionally sank the Titanic. Uh like and insurance fraud's a hell of a crime. Yeah, right. <laughs> and like I was imagining that like you don't even have to change the lyrics to be prepared. That's just his theme song as he's like planning his like evil crimes against Titanic. <laughs> I know it sounds sordid, but you'll, you'll be, be rewarded when at last I am given my due. It, okay, like, what that song starts off so good. Right. Because he's like, oh how oh wait, now I forgot how it starts. Um I know that your powers, powers of, of retention, retention are as thick as a <laughs> warthog's backside. <laughs> yeah. As thick as you are, pay, pay attention. attention. My words <laughs> are a matter of pride. I it's can clear see from your vacant expressions. The, the lights are not all on upstairs. But we're, we're talking kings, kings and successions. Even you can't be caught unaware. Uh, yeah. He literally spends like the first 30 to 45 seconds talking mad shit to the hyenas. <laughs> and then by the end of it, he has tricked them into being on his side. Magnificent. A magnificent bastard, if you will. The likes of which we never saw again until Lionel Luther in Smallville. Um, but no. Uh, as much as I love The Lion King, I feel like that's low-hanging fruit. A goofy movie. Oh, sir. Specifically, sir. Eye to eye, uh, and uh, 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 stand out. Stand. Oh my yeah, God, yeah, yeah. sir, sir. So not the only face you'll see. Gonna stand out till you notice me. Yeah. Tevin <laughs> Campbell, if you listening, sir. Go on and release that full Powerline album. We've we been waiting to each other's hearts. You find we're never too far apart, and maybe love is the reason why. For the first time ever, we're seeing it eye to eye. Oh, <laughs> this is gonna be the episode that gets taken out like too much copyright. <laughs> but no, um, I love those two songs. Also, if I ever ran for president, I would run on the eye to eye platform. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then whenever I came out, even though this is a completely different movie, I my my first speech, it would be how we need to learn to paint with the colors of the wind. <laughs> all all of the great life lessons can be learned in Disney songs. But no, okay, so number three, a goofy movie. Number two, much like you, Hunchback of Notre Dame. I love Hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm not a fan of the Broadway musical. No. They took some liberties and they should be ashamed of I themselves. Ask for wealth. 
I ask for fame. I ask for fortune to shine on my name. I'm like, damn. Did that one? I didn't know they had cameras on me. <laughs> Did that one shady old lady? I ask for love. I can possess. But then, but then it gets so good because everybody comes in. I ask for God and His angels to bless me. Oh my God! For nothing I can get by, for I know so many less lucky than I. Everyone's gonna be rushing out to find their VHS. <laughs> you were not wrong, dude. Jokes on y'all! I got it on Blu-ray. We've talked about this before. I have not been a huge fan of a lot of the live-action Disney movies that they've remade recently, but I promise you, it, if they give us Hunchback of Notre Dame as the musical and they don't take out all of the good songs, I mean, you can add a few new ones in there, but they leave all of the good songs. They give us Hunchback and Hercules, both as musicals. I'll be fully on board because I feel like those are the two, especially Hunchback, mm -hmm. that would pull the people in. I will find my way. I can go the distance. Also, that the version of that song with Michael Bolton? Yeah. Fire. But yes, Hunchback, number two. And of course, number one, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. It's the Prince of Egypt. And I don't care what anybody says. I know people love Shrek. People love Shrek. I think Shrek is slightly overrated, but I don't care. That's fine. You want to love Shrek? Love Shrek. But you're not going to sit here and tell me that Shrek is the greatest DreamWorks movie of all time. Because it's not. Because you live in a world where the Prince of Egypt exists. And the Prince of Egypt outclasses Shrek in every way possible. Voice cast? Better. Don't get me wrong. I love Michael Myers and Eddie Murphy, but... You gonna tell me that Michael Myers as a green ogre and Eddie Murphy as a donkey beats out Val Kilmer as Moses and God? I'm sorry. And Lord Voldemort. No, no, we're getting there. Batman was God and Moses. Helen Mirren was the mother, was the Egyptian mother. Lord Voldemort. I'm sorry. Voldemort, for the T is silent because it's French even though they never say that in the movies, was, was <laughs> Ramesses the Great. Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, Professor Charles Xavier was Seti. Jeff Goldblum was Aaron. Everybody loved Jeff Goldblum. Everybody, everybody loses their minds for Jeff Goldblum. They are in love with him. Sandra Bullock was Miriam. Danny Glover. Danny Glover was the father. Bill, not Bill Murray, um, Martin, Martin Sheen and the other one were the two uh, dudes who were singing about the power of raw, which is another great song. Also, Boys to Men came in and sang a cover version of Through Heaven's Eyes on the soundtrack. I've got the whole soundtrack. Then you, then you had Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Mm -hmm. Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Name Another time that anybody would be like, the, the, the concept of having Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston singing a song together? 
phenomenal. And there's never been a moment like that. Sure, you had Ariana Grande and John Legend singing Beauty and the Beast on that really bad Beauty and the Beast that movie. Weak. That was weak. That was weak sauce. Weak, weak. sauce. It's the best. Didn't Demi Lovato do a cover of "Let It Go" on Frozen? I don't know, and I d- yes, she yes they did. That, that was like that was and, like the, and it, I'm the, not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. Like the it's closest, not bad. The closest thing you're gonna get these days to like uh, right getting like like popular celebrities to come in and sing these songs. That being hold on though, hold on. That being said, um, the Demi Lovato version not bad. It's not great. I don't like Frozen though, so it's whatever. But speaking of famous artists doing songs for movies I don't know if you saw this or not but I know you love your Elvis right? You love your Elvis Doja Cat is doing a version of Hound Dog for the movie I heard that, I heard the song that they released for Mm -hmm. the movie uh, that Doja Cat did that was not Hound Dog I don't know what song it was, it was like I might be, I don't know it could have had... I it, think it has elements of Hound Dog in it. it yes. Okay. So the Doja Cat part, mm-hmm. I was not a huge fan of. But okay. The the Hound Dog part was not. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but it was it was the original Hound Dog. Okay. By Big Mama Thornton, which mm-hmm. I've heard many times. I did like the way they mashed that up with mm-hmm. what Doja Cat was doing. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. I've heard that there's going to be a lot of. Like I, I think it's like in the connective tissues, like in scene transitions and yeah. things. There's going to be a lot kind of, of that like stuff. what he did for what he did the in Great Gatsby. Gatsby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love the yeah. Great Gatsby soundtrack. Yeah, I think it's. Um, and I mean, I'm fine with it because this is Baz Luhrmann's style. This is how yeah. he does things. Um, because I don't think, I don't think for a second that he's adding in a bunch of like weird hip-hop remixes and cutting out the actual Elvis songs. No. So, like, I have no issue with any of that. Although, I've seen people online getting salty about it. I'm like, this is Baz Luhrmann. This is what Did he they does. Did not watch The Great Gatsby's Romeo and Juliet? Apparently, the runtime of this movie is, like, pushing four hours. He's told the entire story. Let's watch this movie before y'all start trashing it. So, you want people to form an honest and educated opinion about something based before on they, before they something react. they've actually seen. Jay, that's not how the internet works. <laughs> oh, real, real quick, uh, I guess we can do a mini quick take. Favorite Baz Luhrmann movie? Um, Great Gatsby. Hmm. I figured you'd say Great Gatsby. It's based on my favorite novel. Hmm. It fair, has fair. Leo DiCaprio. He's one of my favorite actors. He, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. He should have gotten an Oscar. I mean, I, I, you know, I enjoy... I think I've enjoyed every Baz Luhrmann film I've seen, but given that I love Great Gatsby, the book, so much, it would be probably be the adaptation of that. Fair. Uh, for me personally, his version of Romeo and Juliet. That was pretty good. I love, I love Shakespeare, uh, first of all. I, I get it's classified as a tragedy. We all I've, know. It's a comedy. Romeo and Juliet is a comedy because it's literally about stupid teenagers doing stupid teenager stuff. Even when it was translated to Titanic, it became a comedy because because yeah. I love James recall, Cameron's Titanic, but it's literally Romeo and Juliet on a boat. Yeah, if you'll recall, uh, it was freaking hilarious when um, Cal was like, 
I put the diamond in the coat. I put the coat on her! Or, or one of my favorites. Half the people are going to die on this ship. Not, Not the better right. half. And just wait. A little later I'm going to talk about the uh, 2012 miniseries Titanic. <laughs> and that classism, it went even worse <laughs> than the 2012 version. Before we move on, I would just like to say, because every time I get a chance, I'm going to say this. Was he slightly problematic in Titanic? Yes. The character of Cal, portrayed by the greatest actor alive, Billy Zane. Billy, if you're listening, I love you. Was the hero of that movie. He was the hero. You want to know why he was the hero? Because, unlike Jack, who is a filthy street urchin, and Rose, who is an... Un, who is a disloyal fiance? Cal saved a child's life. Did Jack save a child's life? No. Jack was busy out here seducing other men's women. Did Rose save a child's life? No. She was out there committing grand larceny and sleeping <laughs> with other men's. In various early model Fords. <laughs> Did Kathy Bates save anybody's life in that movie? No. Although she was a delight, and I wish we had gotten more of her. Although. Did Victor Garber's character save anybody's life by advising them, yes by advising them to hurry and get the life boats because yes they, he did because because he knew. Um, Did Theoden King? Save anybody's life in that movie? Nah, I don't really know. No, I don't really I mean, know. He, he and he also died he, with the shit. I wouldn't have gone he, down he, with the shit. He, That's he, just he, me. He, I mean, wouldn't been me. He certainly, he, he certainly uh, did, did that one. Did that one crew member save anybody's life? No. As a matter of fact, he killed somebody and then killed himself, <laughs> which he may or may not have actually done in real life, and his family was real salty when they saw that. I'd have been like, <laughs> it's been enough time, let it go. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, so, so, uh... <laughs> Too soon! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Kathy Bates' character, uh, Molly Brown, um, in the movie, she doesn't save anyone's life, but in real life, right after the part where uh, she's like, we need to go back. What's the problem? It's your men out there. And uh, she's like, there's room for more. And like, old buddy, old buddy from the, old buddy who was at the the wheel when the ship hit the iceberg was like manning that lifeboat. And he was like, he was a smart man. He was like, there'll be room for one more if you don't shut that hole in your face. <laughs> like, in real life, right after that. Molly Brown grabbed him and like threatened to throw him overboard if he didn't sit down and shut up. And then like she got with some of the other lifeboats and they got together and went back to look for people. That's that's great. That's that, that's inspiring. <laughs> and they did indeed save some people. <laughs> but we're basing this off the movie, so real life don't matter. Okay. Also, going back to Rose, did the Californian save anybody? No, they no. they couldn't even be bothered no, to show they, up in the James Cameron movie. They 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 were doing. They the were wrong as time. absent in that movie <laughs> as they were in real life. Terrible, simply terrible. Did this? Did, did did the ship that really was the mystery ship, the Mount Temple? Did it bother to show up and help anybody? No, no. it followed protocol of like we not going through this ice. They field. were like, we getting the fuck on. 
<laughs> they but followed go, our protocols. Going back to Rose real quick. Rose, the disloyal cheater. <laughs> when she died. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But we're going in chronological order first. Not only chronological get, order of her falsehoods and treacheries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's a very old guy. This is this is a we hate Rose podcast now. <laughs> Rose was a trifling. Hell. She was trifling, but not only did she cheat on Cal with the street urchin Jack Dawson, if that was his real name. <laughs> anyway, they got to safety. That would be so much funnier if you imagine Jack was just lying to her about everything the whole time. Yes, and he stole the sketch pad. He ain't draw that himself. (laughs) (laughs) And he tried to steal the diamond. Exactly. How else was he going to pay for his new life in America? He was a broke Irishman or wherever the hell they were coming from. He ain't have no money. Anywho... Rose. No, the Jack, Jack was American, remember? He it was, don't he, matter. He grew he, up he, in he, Wisconsin. Did he? <laughs> did he? Did he? Anywho, so not only did Rose to cheat make on... account. No. Rose not only <laughs> cheated on her man, absconded with his personal property, she also once they got to New York, or wherever that godforsaken ship got them to, she let her mother think she was dead. That's not a good person. She trifling. She trifling. And then, then, went on to live a wonderful life. Met a man she fell in love with. Had minty children. Had minty grandchildren. <clears throat> and what does she do? The second she dies... She absconds to the afterlife (laughs) to spend the rest of eternity with a man she knew for three days instead of spending eternity with her husband. And her afterlife. The father of her children. Is the ship that sank that she cheated on. That she cheated on her fiance with. Which should have been the most traumatic experience of her life. Right? But she gonna spend eternity... With Jack, and this I'm a liar, after, Dawson. After her her last act on Earth was, was to, to lie. fuck over Bill Paxton. <laughs> God rest his soul. <laughs> fuck her. I saw she a ghost of the abyss Bill last Paxton. night, and I was like, now he is merely once to box these. And guys. had I been Bill Paxton, oh, Lord. I'd have tossed that 107 year old. Let me let me compose myself. <laughs> let me. I'm not about to be out here just 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 you know name calling old lady. That's rest in peace, the, the wonderful Gloria Stewart. But I'd have tossed that bitch over the over the rails. I'd have been like, go get my damn diamond. <laughs> the he- I've I've staked my whole life on this diamond. Get it. And if you can't swim, then drown. Gets to retrieving or gets to drowning. <laughs> you know, like when I think about how shady that story is. I just think about that line in the movie where uh, Cal's like henchman is like standing there looking at Jack and he's like, that's interesting. Mr. Whipdicator went over those rails so suddenly you had time to remove your jacket and your shoes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, that's all I wanted to say. We not gonna stand for also. Any, we not gonna stand for any Billy Zane. Slander. Also, if that had been me, if I'd been jagged, I'd be like, if you jump, I'm gonna have to not jump in there after you, <laughs> right? <laughs> we not, remind we not us to this. do the remind us to one day do a podcast uh, about what we would how we would have survived the Titanic. <laughs> it, it's gonna be a real short episode, but yeah, we'll do it. It works but, best if we're the lookouts and we fair, get the head fair. start on everybody the to the o- boats. The only movie that I am going to allow people to slander Billy Zane in is that really shitty movie, The Roommate, starring Allison Milchaka and I think Leighton Meester. I thought you were about to say The Mummy Returns, and then I remembered that he was wasn't Arnold. Mummy <laughs> Returns. Then I remembered that was Arnold. Von he was in the Scorpion King four or five. <laughs> but no, he finally the joined roommate, the franchise. In the roommate, he plays a uh, fashion teacher at a college, and he may or may not try to sleep with one of his students. It, 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 it's real unclear. It was unethical. He was the most. He was the least unproblematic, problematic individual in that movie because Leighton Meester was out here killing folk. True. Also, Nina Dobrev was in that movie. Nina, if you're listening, hello. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, I know none of these people are listening. But you never know. So. (laughs) Oh, God. That was a long, quick take. Not to be confused with the hot take we did before that. (laughs) Oh man! Oh, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Icy Hot. Like what the? It, it, it is not. It's not. <laughs> we just like say fake uh. ass. Oh. <laughs> uh. Um. This episode is brought to you by KFC's vegan sandwich. It's finger licking good. It's not. Oh. Nothing. Um. KFC is finger licking good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, I believe you may get your headlines, Mr. Ismay. Oh my god. Uh, so. Not uh, even God can sink this podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man. So, uh, we saw some things and some stuff. Um, uh, some things that I, that I think would be pretty cool if we covered. Um, of course, we've seen Moon Knights episode four and five. We, uh, uh, I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent starring Nicolas Cage as himself. Have you got a chance to see that one yet? I haven't. I'm probably going to watch that sometime um, next week. That's the one I was telling you that I haven't seen that I don't want to, but I'll watch it anyway. We both saw The Northman starring the great Alexander Skarsgård. I really thought you were about to be like starring the great Alexander Dumas. Like, <laughs> no. No, um, it wasn't. I watched a Titanic miniseries from 2012 that not many people know existed. Um, I saw a new Liam Neeson movie. I was about to say Liam Hemsworth, and that was completely wrong. New Liam Neeson movie, uh, Memory. That I ironically forgot came out. It's fair. It's fair. True story. When I went to go watch it, because as you know, we've got the Regal Unlimited Pass. Regal, if you're listening. No. Um, the power of adventure. <laughs> Um, I still had to pay to watch it because it was a it was like a limited release type thing. Oh no! Which is funny because I was in the one in Griffin and they were like, "It's to be an extra three bucks." I mean, so I only paid three bucks. Oh, I got you. But you know, if yeah. they had been like, "That'll be eleven twenty-five," I'd, I'd been, been like, like, "One for the unbearable weight of not any real talent, please." 
But yeah, no. Um, we'll we'll get to it. Uh, and Savannah and I have been continuing her her uh, descent through The Walking Dead. We are mm. on the season three finale. Oh. Um, so. Mm. Back when the show was compulsively watchable. So. Oh, so she's seen the whole like. She's seen the whole like Rick falling to his knees, mm-hmm. weeping because Lori's dead. Daryl weeping over uh, Merle. Mm. That was a good season. Merle's infamous, I ain't gonna beg you, and the governor being like, no. And then just, you know. Disrespectful. True story. I was not sad when Lori. I was not sad when Lori died. She was problematic, too. You kill or you die. Or you (laughs) die, then you kill. (laughs) (laughs) Milton's just like, ugh. Right. Isn't that when Andrea? Isn't that the other yep. Andrea? Like, because she had, he had the governor has Andrea tied up, and he gives Milton the knife. Like, now you're gonna kill her, and like Milton just weakly turns around. Like, yeah, the governor immediately catches it and rams his own hand into his stomach. Milton was weak. <laughs> Milton was weak. He was so weak. Not as weak as Jackie. No, I was just like, like I can't go on no more. I'ma just stay in the CDC and get blown the hell up. Foolishness. That was hilarious. <laughs> and then later in season three, when Carl's trying to come up with baby names and one of them that he like thinks about is Jackie, I'm like, why? I'm like, why? Why? Why would you? Why would she you was name in your like baby? five episodes of the show where she was why real would you name that baby Jackie. If it was a boy, why would you name it Jim? Jim just dying on the side of the road after getting bit by a zombie. I'm like, but no. Better than what happened to that one dude who took his family uh, in a car and went off of their own way and he showed back up with uh, Negan in like season eight. And like, uh, I believe his name was Martinez. And Rick was talking to him and like Daryl comes in and shoots him in the head and Rick's like, <laughs> do you know who that was? And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a recurring theme with Daryl because in I think it was season ten where Beta dies and Negan is like, Holy shit, do you know who that guy was? Daryl's just like some asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh so which which movie do you want to talk about first? Uh The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um Okay, so uh the plot rundown if you guys have not if you're not familiar with the plot um, basically, Nicolas Cage um, plays a fictional version of himself. So, a lot of the details of his life are fictionalized. His wife and daughter are uh, fictional wife and daughter. Um, his daughter is played by uh, Martin Sheen's daughter, hey. uh, which was interesting. Um, not Martin Sheen. Uh, is it Martin Sheen? Are we talking about Charlie Sheen's father? Or? No, Michael Sheen. Okay, I it's was going to say, or Kate Ma- Beckinsale's ex-husband. Kate Beckinsale's ex-husband. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen uh, from Masters of Sex fame. Um, his daughter plays Nick Cage's I daughter. Was, you know what? <laughs> you're not wrong. It is Masters of Sex fame. But when I think of him, I'm like, oh yeah, Michael Sheen of Underworld fame. And no. Breaking Dawn. Oh, no. No, also, no moon. He went Breaking Dawn like he was in New Moon for but whatever. Uh, yeah, so, um, basically Nick Cage is, um, he's just, 
he he's a struggling actor. This part of it's got to be semi-autobiographical. He's struggling because he's made bad career choices um, where people don't take him seriously anymore. And his agent, played by the great... Um, I almost said Robert Downey Jr., but it's Neil Patrick Harris. The best um, movie and only movie Neil Patrick Harris has appeared in this year. Basically tells him, like, look, there's this rich dude that wants you to go... Uh, listen to him and hear his pitch or whatever and um, and he's going to pay a million dollars and Nicolas Cage is like he's, he's drinking, he's estranged from his daughter and his, and his wife wants a divorce he feels like his career is over he, said, he announces that he's going to quit acting um, he agrees to go to this island to meet this guy who wants to meet him really badly this reclusive, reclusive billionaire played by the great Pedro Pascal of uh, Game of Thrones fame uh, and and the Mandalorian fame um, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame uh, and the Kingsman Two fame. He was problematic. And in World that movie. War, not World War One, well, Wonder Woman at nineteen eighty four. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, that wasn't a movie. And uh, so uh, Nicolas Cage gets there, um, finds out that he has a, a good a good bit in common with this dude. He really likes him. They, they become buddies. Then he finds out that the CIA is tracking this dude uh, for being uh, a, a like a drug lord who has also kidnapped uh, the daughter of the leader of some country trying to interfere in an election. There's this whole CIA plot. Um, they ask Nick Cage. like They basically are like, look, You've got to... You're the only person, ironically... You're the only person who could get close enough to him. We need you to find this missing girl and avert disaster on a geopolitical scale. Um, that plot is every bit as hilarious as you would think. Um, it's it's actually very entertaining and very funny. Um, there's a scene where they do drugs together and... Their paranoia as they like are imagining people are chasing them and stuff is the funniest part of the movie. Um, there's a nice twist towards the the middle of the movie that makes the third act really funny and entertaining. Um, it was unironically the best Nicolas Cage movie in years. Uh, for me, it was the best Nicolas Cage movie since National Treasure Two because besides Besides Con Air, I want to say the National Treasure movies are my only Nicolas Cage movies I actually like. So you gonna sit? Um, you gonna sit across from me and tell me that you didn't enjoy Gone in sixty seconds? It was a. I mean, it was like I don't even know who you are anymore. I mean, you gonna sit there and tell me that you didn't like Left Behind 2014? I never saw that. Oh, bro. I saw the one with Kirk Cameron, and I was like, never again. But you gonna sit across the from me. The great Chad Michael Murray was in that as well. Yeah, first of all, what you know, I, I heard the sarcasm in your voice, and what you not gonna do Chad Michael is Murray, sit across from me Nicholas and disrespect Cage. Lucas Scott of One Tree Hill fame. That's not. That's what we not gonna do. He was also a charismatic we are cult leader. Do. He was a charismatic cult leader in like season two or three of Riverdale, and he like got shot dead by Betty Cooper. But what we are about to do, right? 
is watch Left Behind 2014. No, fuck, we're not. Gotta know. No, I don't. Um, but I read anyways, the books. So the uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like Pedro Pascal in it a lot as well. Uh, I would on a, definitely on a standard high school grading A to F. What do you get? Oh, definitely a solid uh, B. All right. It's a fun movie. Okay. Um, if you're looking to laugh pretty much consistently for two hours, there's lots of meta references. Like, at one point, Nicolas Cage is like, and I was telling the guy, like, and he wouldn't listen to me. I was trying to tell him I didn't want the bees. I was like, not the bees, not the bees. And, like, the whole audience died laughing. <laughs> oh, Nick, Nicolas Cage forever, like... He, he sees, like, he hallucinates this younger version of himself. It's like a CGI Nicolas Cage from when he's, like, in his 20s. Oh and God. he wears, like, leather and has, like, like short, like, kind of longish blonde hair. And he, he calls himself Nicky. And, like, he tries to hype him up. Like, you're Nicolas freaking Cage. And, like, uh, you know, like, that was really funny. The, like... Him trying to reconcile the different halves of himself. There's a nice subplot about, like, how he realizes he's been neglecting his family in pursuit of his career and that the career did not give back to him what he put into it, whereas his family would have if he had just spent more time with them. There's, a there's there's like, actually some good stuff in that movie. Um, I'll watch it. And, Although, to uh, be fair, he put a lot of crap out. Yeah. So. Well, that's part of the joke of the movie is Wonderful. is that he he put he got to the point he was at by taking because he thought he had to take every role he was offered in order to make sure that he was providing for his family. Mm. But like along the way he lost the ability to make really creative decisions as an actor because people just viewed him as kind of a joke instead of like whereas he had been more selective like a lot of other actors are and picked roles that played to his strengths maybe that wouldn't have happened and he does like there's a bunch of jokes about like his uh his like shamanistic channeling acting or whatever and like part of his shamanistic abilities like he's able to summon at the end to defeat the bad guys and like he's like he's like my shamanistic instincts never fail me. I knew it. And the whole audience died laughing. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, uh, that was probably my favorite line. Um, so, yeah. So, I definitely recommend The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, the Northman. No, we, 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 let's save that one. Let's, let's both do the ones that we saw separately. Then we'll get to The Northman. Okay, uh, you want to like bounce back and forth now? You say one you saw. Yes. All it, right. It, it. Memory. Um. Real quick, it's Liam Neeson basically plays a uh, elderly assassin type character who has been tasked with uh, eliminating some people for an organization that he's worked with over the years. Honestly, if that was just the movie, it would have been a pretty boring movie but the cool twist is he's an assassin but he's struggling with early onset alzheimer's which which i feel like 
that could have gone off the rails real quick. That could have been that could have got and, real hilarious real quick. Yeah, and it also could have been like just it, it like it, the Sopranos. Say my line. It could have been it could have been really disrespectful and like short sighted, but I feel like they handled it the best they could, and it was never like he he would forget stuff in the movie. But it was never played up as like, oh, ha, 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 he's forgetting stuff. Like, it was very... It, one, it was sad. Two, it... It... I think it was just... It was it was handled the best way it possibly could have. Also, it's based on a novel. I think like a French or Italian novel or something like that. Uh, but basically, they send him to go kill some people. He kills one guy. Breaks into his house one night. Just chokes him dead. Uh, in a rear naked choke like this was the UFC steal some files he then sees another person that he was tasked to go kill so he tries to go kill them realizes it's a kid he's like yo i do not hurt children and he was like you pissed me off drop the hit on her if anything happens to her you will be hearing from me they don't she dies he seeks revenge and the whole movie is him just trying to get to the very top of the organization and in the person who is responsible for it and it was her son that was responsible. And I want to say it was uh, Bellucci, Monica, Monica, Monica Bellucci. Yeah, I always forget people's names. But yeah, like Monica Bellucci was like the main bad guy. Uh, guy Pierce is also in this movie. He plays an FBI agent who's been tasked with like finding a sex trafficking ring that's been coming out of Mexico or some nonsense. Uh, Liam Neeson, Guy Pierce have a run-in Liam Neeson's like you can't stop them because you gotta follow the law but you get you you can't follow the law because if you do they're gonna escape you have no high you have no idea how high this goes Liam Neeson gets shot winds up in a hospital uh he dies like at the end of the second act of the movie <laughs> like he just he just dies uh he gets shot up by a bunch of cops and then it's up to Guy Pierce to finish it. Which in his memory. <laughs> <laughs> I like the so the ending I think is really good because it there are just certain people who are too rich for to be held accountable for some of their actions. Even though you know they're guilty, you've got evidence proving they've done something illegal, but you don't have the smoking gun as it were. So they kind of get off scot-free. And Guy Pierce is upset about it. His partner is upset about it. The guy they've been working with out of Mexico is upset. But the district attorney is like, yep, nope, can't do nothing about this. And his uh, Guy Pierce's boss is just like, because Guy Pierce is going off the rails. And he's just like, go home, take a leave of absence and make it a long one. So his partner shows up at the end of the movie. She was like, let's go get a drink. And he was like, I don't really want to do this. She was like, I wasn't asking. Let's go get that drink. Uh, so they go to get a drink. It comes time to pay for the drink. She's like, oh, no, I forgot my wallet. Can you get this for me? And he's like, sure. Come to find out their third partner, who was the guy out of Mexico, snuck into Monica Bellucci's house, slit her throat and killed her. And then it pops up on the news. And he was like, did you give me an alibi? And she was just like, she said some, like, prayer of, like, St. Agnes or St. Inez or something like that. And then the movie just ends. And I sat there for a second and I was like, did they really just 
Did they do that? I'm not upset about it. It's a good movie. You should watch it. I know I kind of spoiled a bunch of it, but it's... If you like Liam Neeson movies, it's a Liam Neeson movie. So, you know, there's that. It's not the greatest. I'd give it like a sight, like a C minus. He's done better movies. Not to be confused with Taken 3, which was not a better movie. Well, uh, we will be back right after a short message from our actual sponsor, the Anchor app. Uh, and, uh, yeah. We'll and Arby's! <laughs> we, we have, have the meats! meats. <laughs> we are back. Uh, okay, so... I watched, as I mentioned earlier, um... A miniseries that was produced in 2012 around the 100th anniversary of the sinking of Titanic. Called... Titanic. Um... And a lot of people, I guess, have not seen this, or if they did, it, it's been ten years ago since it came out, so I certainly didn't know about it until very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah, I, I had to go to Amazon Prime and, and, and buy it from Amazon Prime. Um, it's four episodes. Each episode's about 45 minutes long. And it was created by... Uh, I believe his name is Julian Fellows, who created Downton Abbey. Um, which, in my opinion, makes it a prequel to Downton Abbey because the first episode of that show, one of the main characters says that like somebody they were related to died on the Titanic and left them their fortune or something. Um, okay, so it's it's highly fictionalized. Like a lot of the main characters are fictional people. Mm-hmm. Not unlike James Cameron's film. Um, but that's about where those comparisons stop. Um, it chooses to focus on the class differences and the classism or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it chooses to focus on a mixture of first class and steerage passengers and a mixture of, like, Catholics and Protestants who at the time were having some serious religious and political upheaval because of their differences in Ireland where Titanic was built. Um, the, 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 the miniseries, the way it's formatted, each episode follows the basic conflict of one or two sets of characters and at some point in the episode the ship hits the iceberg and begins to sink and it ends on a cliffhanger the next episode goes back shows you uh, the story from different characters points of view Ship hits the iceberg, ends on a cliffhanger. It does that, you know, rinse, wash, repeat. Um, the fourth episode, it ties the stories together. And, of course, the ship sinks. Um, it, 
let me start by saying that episode four, where the ship finally sinks, all of that is suitably tragic. It looks good visually, and there are some there are some tear jerking moments. My problem, my problems with this miniseries, aside from redundancy, um, and no Billy Zane, and no Billy Zane. Um, in fact, the only actors that I recognized, the actor that played Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins, hmm. plays a first class passenger, and like one of his employees who's in second class. Uh, is played by the actor that plays the um, the short dude who plays the like the German character who's like a Nazi in the Marvel universe and then becomes the computer. Oh, uh, Arnim Zola. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're the only actors I recognized in the whole miniseries. Hmm. Um, my problem was the first episode focused on the least interesting first class characters mm -hmm. first so the first 40 minutes of it was boring the second episode is actually really good and focuses on some interesting dynamics there's a waiter who an Italian waiter who's like he's poor but he's actually named a waiter in first class and his brother is assigned as like one of the stokers below. And so there's interesting dynamics there. Because he's not accepted really by the first class people. They look down on him for being Italian and like his boss is mean to him and all that kind of stuff. And when he goes down into steerage to see his brother, the people there think he's a traitor or something. Like the classism is like greatly exaggerated. So like I want to say that the way James Cameron did it was way more realistic, where, like, yes, when Jack is having dinner with them, they're all kind of condescending, but they don't go out of their way to be rude, mm -hmm. necessarily, except for Rose's mother. Like, every... Poor woman who then was led to believe that her daughter like, was dead. Like, you could, you could see in James Cameron's movie like Aster and Guggenheim and all these people trying to find things they could talk to Jack about trying to make him feel comfortable mm -hmm. even though it was awkward for them that he was from Steerage that kind of thing didn't happen in this it was all like there's a, there's a shot of the church service and like you just see tons of women like turning their nose up at the fact that anyone from the ship can attend the first class church service um, at one it's all on the nose too at one point one of the characters is like I don't think Jesus would mind like anytime there's a theme that, the sh that this show tries to bring up somebody just says it and undermines the whole thing mm -hmm. um, I also didn't like how so they do the they do the instead of show don't tell they do tell don't show right Right, and there are tons of myths about Titanic, and this show uh, just... James Cameron's movie pushed forward a lot of the myths, but this one just literally, they have second officer Lightoller just sort of out loud go through a bunch of the myths as if 
this was supposed to be historically accurate. He's he's literally having a conversation where he's like, Captain, uh, he's like, Captain, uh, we can't find the binoculars anywhere. That's true. That, of course, has nothing to do with the sinking of the ship. Um, because, of course, they couldn't, they would, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, at night, on a completely calm sea, like, they would not have been able to see the iceberg better with binoculars. Like, it's better to have a wider field of vision, and that's been demonstrated. So, that was annoying when he was like, we can't find the binoculars because people love to make a big deal out of that. Then, they're like, oh my gosh, like, we cut so many corners on this ship. The uh, rivets were not uh, were not the uh, the best rivets we could have gotten. That's been debunked a bunch of times, um, and they just sort of kept going through like all these different. They're like it would take a two hundred foot gash to sink the ship. There is no two hundred foot gash in Titanic. That's not what happened when they hit the iceberg. So like, there's all these like little things that like if you had if one had simply read a couple of books they would know that's not what happened. We don't have time to do uh, research. That was that was what it came across as. Um, then, uh, there were just all these little things like that that annoyed me. And then, um, at the end, it left the fate of several characters sort of... I mean, I guess it's not open-ended because... They die. You can assume they, they, die. they die. But it's been telling their story for four episodes, and then at a certain point, you just don't ever see them again, so you don't... There's no moment where, like, you see the ship sinking and you see them get swept away, or you see the boiler fall on them, or the ship cracks in half and they fall into it, or they fall. They try to jump off of the side, or they're found dead in the water. There's, There's... Not every character gets a visual resolution, and that annoyed me. Like Much like how we don't have time to do research. We don't have time to clearly follow not. all these characters. Clearly not. <laughs> um, so I would overall say that I would give that about like a, a 5.5 or a 6 out of 10. As a Titanic buff... Am I glad I watched it? So I mean, it gets, a, it gets a low B. Yeah, I would say about a 6 out of 10, yeah. I would say I'm glad I watched it just because I'm sort of a completist when it comes to this stuff. And if there is stuff about Titanic, I do want to watch it, which is why I'm going to watch Titanic 666, the conclusion why? to the trilogy. Why? Uh, I can't wait to do the podcast about that. No, but, uh, oh, bro, no, we, we not, are doing I'm the trilogy. Gonna be on that episode. We are going to do the trilogy. What do you mean we? Bro, we are doing the trilogy. I'm only watching one Titanic. Titanic 2, and then Titanic 666, which that takes place after the events of Titanic 2. That doesn't even make any sense. Uh, also, the only Titanic movie I'm ever watching is the James Cameron Titanic movie. There's not a sequel to that. <clears throat> and if we're doing this, we might as well watch that Britannica movie. That sounds dope. It was okay. Um, I think it involved like spies and Germans or something. Although somebody was in a lifeboat and it went to the propeller of a ship and they got chopped to bits. I think that we should just call uh, our our script that we've been working on for years, which we were just calling like Sea Cruise, like 
our cruise ship or whatever the hell we were calling it. It's a cruise ship. I think we should... The ship was called, like, the Gigantic. And I think we should just call the movie Gigantic. Um, Like, because I feel like it'll get greater distribution. Because they'll be like, oh, this is like Titanic 2. We're definitely going to put this in, like, every red box. Um, Yes. But I feel like you're failing to realize that if we continue to call it Cruise Ship, people will think it's a sequel to Jungle Cruise. <laughs> and we will get, we'll have much more we just, money. Well, what we can do by is hitching our coat we can call to the rock. it. We can call it Gigantic and post, post like a picture of the rock, like a really terrible Photoshop picture of the rock from Jungle Cruise standing next to Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Fam. But <laughs> no, because The Rock got lawyers. I'm, yeah, we can't win that one. Um, so yeah, so Titanic, uh, if you're interested in that, uh, just search for Titanic um, on Amazon Prime. You will you will be very obviously be able to tell of all the many different movies called Titanic which one this miniseries is. It will be obvious. Um the one with the low production value. Yes. <laughs> uh, don't, not to be confused with the 1996 Titanic miniseries starring Tim Curry and Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's not low production value. And that Peter is just the production value of its time. Who I Peter thought was Gallagher. dead. And then I realized at the end when he was dead that that's why I thought he was dead because I'd seen him die in that movie. Wait, isn't that the dad from Seventh Heaven? No, that was Stephen Collins. Whatever. <laughs> he ain't dead. Uh, <laughs> he's not dead. Just he dead very, to the masses. Very retired and probably dead inside after uh, <laughs> his career. He admitted to we not being, going. We not going there. Uh, nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we all know what happened to him. Look it up. Seventh heaven. Ooh, seven charges. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, real quick, one of the cast members of that show, Tyler Hecklin, who is now Superman. He doing good for himself. Yes. Um. So yeah, I would definitely say if you're a completist like I am, where it's like if there's anything Titanic, eventually you want to get around to watching it, watch it. If you're not a completist, don't waste your time. Um, if you want to watch them and then take my place on that episode of the podcast, feel free because I'm not <laughs> watching those movies. I'm not doing it. Oh, <laughs> don't be afraid of the strength of your feelings. What the fuck? That was the dumbest line in the Titanic miniseries. Um, <laughs> Can we move on? <laughs> don't be afraid of the strength of your feelings. <laughs> the context was like really terrible too. Ridiculous. Um, Can we move on to Hamlet Rex, please? Okay. Because it's like Hamlet, but right. at one point, so. it got real Oedipus. So, um, uh, The Northmen, starring the great Alexander Skarsgård, uh, indeed, as Logan was uh, indicating, uh, supposedly, uh, the the character, the, the Viking character, Amleth, was based on, or inspired by, a possibly real person. Um... Which supposedly that's what inspired Shakespeare to write Hamlet. Um, possibility, but I haven't seen the work cited page at the end of the credits, so I can't um, prove or disprove any of that. It definitely is the plot of Hamlet, but with Vikings and some interesting visual shots of like, you know, a Valkyrie and like 
Valhalla and all that kind of interesting Cinematography stuff. was amazing. Um, as you would expect from old buddy who uh, directed The Vitch. Oh, was that him? Yeah. It Visually, it looks very similar okay. to him. Um, there, was a, there was a final battle that I was like, y'all ripped this straight out of episode three in Lion King, but okay. Uh, I, I thought Alexander Skarsgård did a good job. I thought Anna Taylor Joy did a good job. I I thought Ethan, Ethan Hawke Hawk was alright for like the ten minutes he was in it. Same with Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah. Um, it was it was very familiar. So can I can I explain? So yes, it's very familiar, and I really like this movie but I have the same not complaints and I don't mean criticisms in a bad way but I have the same criticisms of this movie as I did leaving Doom it's derivative of itself because the story has been told by everybody at this point in one one form or another like it's if 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 it did indeed inspire Shakespeare to write Hamlet, cool. That's great. We've seen Hamlet. We've been associated with Hamlet. I grew up watching The Lion King. I've seen Hamlet done a thousand times before. I was in so, Hamlet. Exactly. So if if I see something that is the that is the prototype of Hamlet, much like how John Carter was a good movie, but it we've seen it. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen the Northman. We've seen John Carter. We've seen Dune, and we've seen people do it. I'm not going to say better, as in like there was something wrong with these movies, but better in the sense that like we grew up watching these stories be told already. So even if it is original, it's not original anymore. And yeah. Honestly, that's a that's a criticism of a lot of movies nowadays. Like it's all the it's all the same. That being said, I think all of the acting in the movie is phenomenal. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, he was great. Um, like you said, Anna Taylor Joy, awesome. I can't really. I like Ethan Hawke, but he's not in enough of the movie to leave a lasting impression. Same with Willem Dafoe. Nicole Kidman was treacherous. Boy, was she treacherous. And I love Nicole Kidman, but whoo, she was problematic. Yeah, if I was Keith Urban, I'd have watched that and been like, oh, uh, divorce. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's a it's a it's a really good movie. Um I don't even I mean we can talk about the story, but I'm like if you've seen the Lion yeah, King or Hanley, you know what the story yeah, is. Yeah, I mean I don't very basically the story it is it is Hamlet Lion King. It's Young Prince has his throne usurped by his uncle, who marries his mother. He vows he vengeance. swears revenge. There's In the course of getting his revenge, he meets a woman that helps him become who he was supposed to be. Unlike Hamlet, she doesn't die. Um She she becomes pregnant with the with the future line of the family. Bow he goes stubborn knees. All may be well. Where's Polonius? 
Um, the young prince, who at this point has realized that he has to fulfill his destiny, goes off to do battle with his uncle and vanquishes his evil uncle, but also dies in the process. It, that's the story. Um, I, I would say... There's a really cool shot of, like, Odin in the movie. Yes. And there's, like, a really cool Valkyrie shot. Yes. I, my favorite part of the movie were the tiny glimpses of the... Of the Norse... Mm-hmm. Afterlife and the Norse gods. Yeah. Like, that... Seeing a Valkyrie, seeing Odin, seeing Valhalla, like, that was cool. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much... Oh, and my joke about it being getting, like, real Oedipus Rex later on in the movie. Uh, at one point, Amleth, Alexander Skarsgård, confronts his mother, Nicole Kidman, and she was... And he and he reveals who he is, and she was like, My son! She says some real disrespectful shit about his father. Like, he was weak, and I never loved him! Weak, Rick. I was only with him because yep. I was a conquered slave that wife, became sweet. his wife. But his oh, brother, funny. his brother loved me. Like, bitch. And she was like, you need... She was like, no one knows your identity but me. You can kill my husband and my son, and I shall be your wife. You can have me. She and then she kissed him, and I threw up in my mouth a little bit like, oh. I mean, it Nicole Kidman is she fine. But in the context of this movie, oh, like no, I'd have been like if she'd been like in Aquaman, she'd been like my boy Arthur, then she just started making out with him. I'd have been like, this ain't it. I'd have hit that tag group, <laughs> that, <laughs> that tag group on on Facebook. The boy moms are getting real incesty again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, at that point, I was just like, no, nah, this too much. And then she uh, summarily died. Like thirty minutes later, and I was like, "That's probably for the best." Yeah, she had every chance to avoid that. Every day. chance, and then uh, Hamlet confronted Claudius. Also, if you've seen Sons of Anarchy, you've seen this movie. That's accurate. Because <laughs> Gemma will forever kiss Jacks, and it will forever making me go, "That's not a motherly kiss. This is disgusting." Um, but then uh, Hamlet confronts Claudius. Jax confronts Clay, Simba confronts Scar, fucking Obi-Wan confronts Anakin <laughs> uh, on the fields of Mustafar, because they, 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 they have a really out. cool final fight between uh, the main character and his uncle at the foot of a volcano, and it's like, it's you can barely see anything because there's so much smoke and ash in the air, it's lit by the actual flame, like, like by the... Feel it. Coming in the head tonight. Um Yeah, no. <laughs> but no, it's lit by the like the the by the magma and the lava, uh, and it's great because and you realize early on that like no matter how bad Amleth is as a character, his uncle's still technically more badass than him because he they're fighting. He's not really getting in the upper edge. I'm sorry, the upper edge, the edge, or the upper hand. Jesus. 
And, like, his uncle with, like, just two quick slashing motions, like, cut... He doesn't cut his arms off, but he cuts, like, the muscles in both arms to where, like, you think he's not going to be able to lift his arms anymore. And right before his uncle delivers the killing blow, he summons all of his, like, Viking savagery and proceeds to be like... And just, like, proceeds to start whooping his uncle's ass. And he goes for the killing blow and cuts his uncle's head clean off, but his uncle also goes for the killing blow and stabs Amleth in the chest. So the uncle's head rolls away and Amleth just falls to the ground. And in his final breath, because there's this whole, like, there's this motif of, like, being able to, like, see your family tree and somebody's blood and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so Anna Taylor-Joy's character was bleeding earlier in the movie and he saw that she was pregnant with, um, twins. Mm -hmm. don't ask me how the science slash magic works I don't care it's whatever and so as he's dying about to be consumed by the flames of the earth's core he's just like her line will go on and he sees that like his oldest will be his daughter who I guess will take over the crown and then he's got a son and then he just dies and then I think he's carried off into Valhalla which was dope it was dope It 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 was big dope I don't think it'll be the best Viking movie we get this year. I think that'll go to Thor Love and Thunder. Probably. Yeah. Fire uh, movie, though. True story. Halfway through, I was like, is this an A24 movie? It feels like an A24 movie. Was it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, the, the director... Better than The Green Knight. Well, the director's previous efforts were The Vivitch and Hereditary. So the, I'm never watching Hereditary ever again. Yeah. Never. I'm never watching The Vivitch either. I watched the Vavitch. I've seen enough of Black Fleet. True story. Black Phillip's not the most frightening part about that movie. It's the old crone who turns into like the stupid hot, like young witch lady, and and we've talked about this before. She's so frightening to me because she's too attract. Like she's too attractive. Like it's an unearthly attractiveness. And every time that, like, she pops up on screen, I'm like, no, I don't trust you. That was, like, that time that they let... And then she took advantage of the boy. Yeah. That reminds me of the time that they allowed the lady who had been the body double for Lena Headey in Game of Thrones when Cersei did her walk of shame. Mm -hmm. They allowed that lady to have a small role in one of the episodes in, in season five or six... And the woman, like, it's literally just in one scene. And the woman is so strikingly attractive that it's noticeable. Like, it takes you out of the moment, like, wait, who is this really, really attractive servant we've never seen before right. and never see again? Because it makes you think that it's... it's that that's going to be a plot point, and yes. then she never shows back up. It does the same in a different way, but it does the same thing as when Ed Sheeran showed up. Because mm-hmm. you're like, where it takes this you, is Ed Sheeran. It takes you out of it. And some people complained about Ed Sheeran. Man, I didn't mind it. I like Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. He was singing. Let Ed Sheeran sing. But it's one of those things where I'm like, I I know who you. It would be as weird as if you know. Tom Cruise was to appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness as a variant of Tony Stark. Mm. I'm putting that out there. I want it. Um, I need it. So, 
Moon Knight. <clears throat> I mean, if it's if it's time for Moon Knight, then it's time for my uh, platinum award-winning song inspired by Kid Cudi's classic Day and Night, which I don't think is the actual title of that song. I don't know. I'm not a big Kid Cudi. I think it is the name of that song. Well, then, yes. Cut that part out where I said I don't know if it's the name of the song or not. I'm joking. We don't have editors. <clears throat> Hold on. Let me... Let me me, 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 me. <clears throat> Day and night. It's time for us to talk about Moon Knight. Ethan Hawke's character don't seem right. This is the part where we talk about Moon Knight. I, 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 I. All right. Uh, if anybody wants a full version of that, let me know. I don't know. Um. We, okay, so episodes four and five have aired since we last spoke. My opinion is that both of them are the collectively the two best we've gotten of yes. the five so far. Yeah. Without a doubt, yes. Um, the story really picked up. I like the action-adventure elements of, and horror, like, mummy elements of I was just about to say, four. episode four felt like watching The Mummy. The Mummy, yeah. yeah. It had the right action-adventure horror blend to mm-hmm. it. Um... It had well-placed moments of humor. Yes. Um, you get some interesting character backstories. It had a really shocking final few minutes. Um, Ethan Hawke's character just don't seem right. Uh, I thought that episode five was the best so far. Mm-hmm. I love that we get uh, Tawarit, which is, of course, the... Egyptian goddess of uh, fertility, among other things, and that is the well, that's why people couldn't be having no babies on that island because mm-hmm. she was too busy shepherding people through the uh, through the 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 duat. That is the the of course yeah of course the the deity that the statue and Lost was built in honor of. So I thought that was cool. Also, um, Lost was on ABC. ABC is owned by Disney. Disney owns Marvel. It's all connected. Um, I thought getting the backstory. Of Mark and how he sort of created Stephen as a as a coping mechanism, a defense mm-hmm. strategy. Um, I thought that was touching. It. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be something that dark and serious. Because, like, okay, so I when the ep- when episode five started, and I'm, honestly, I just kind of want to talk about episode. Like, I liked episode four. I think episode four is great. Episode 5, to me, is, like, the better episode, though. Um, I thought the personalities were going to be a result of him, like, not being able to deal with the fact that, even though it's not his fault, he blamed himself for the death of his brother. And, like, honestly, before they said the brother's name, I thought, okay, like, I kind of pieced together early on that, like, the brother's no longer around. Maybe he feels responsible for the death of his brother or... He can't cope with the fact that his brother is gone because they were both really young. So maybe his maybe the Steven persona was like a like a homage to his brother of sorts, which it kind of was because like Stephen Grant comes from that movie that they watched and they were quoting when they were going off on the adventure. I was not expecting it to be a result of his brother dying and his mother blaming him for it. And becoming like super physically and verbally and emotionally abusive towards him. 
And when she, like when she went to go grab the belt, and before that he's just talking to himself like it's not my mom, it's not my mom, it's not my mom. And she grabs the belt and like right before she like goes to like hit him, he just becomes Steven. I think that was really well done. It was very emotional and honestly, multiple. I was I was on the verge of tears multiple times through this episode because it. It was it was just a very emotional episode in my opinion. I don't. Do you think that Stephen, given the way this episode ended, do you think Stephen is gone for good? No, I don't either. No, but because um, like when when he fell off the boat into the into the sands and he died, I was like, yeah, he kind of died, but. And I guess this gets into a whole, like, metaphysical-type argument. Does a split personality actually have a soul, considering it's a... Like, yeah, he's real because he has his own memories, but he's not real because he was a... He's a a mental creation of the actual person. And um... it's like when... Steven wants to figure out, like, why, like, Mark remembers his mom, remembers their mom so differently, and he tries to see, like, what his mom was about to do to him, and Mark is like, no, you don't need to see that, you weren't meant to see, like, he was like, you weren't created to see that, he was like, you don't need to deal with that, and Steven gets upset, and he's like, what do you mean created, and Mark was like, like, I created you so that you and he was like you you're the lucky one you get to think that you had a loving mom a mom who was nice loving compassionate uh not abusive who's still alive which then that causes steven to spiral out of control because he's like what do you mean our mom's not alive and i love the fact that you figure out like that the reason Mark has been struggling to keep the personalities under control. It stems from his unresolved issues with his mom. Right. And when he couldn't bring himself to go inside to her funeral, that's when it all starts to spiral out of control. Um, Also, I love the little teases we've been getting towards there being a third personality. Because even after Mark and Steven... um, reconcile all of their issues and they get everything under control and they've made peace with it they, there's still that bit of dialogue where I and I never know how to say that God's name Tauret Tauret yeah Tauret yeah, yeah they, she's like we've made it to the gates of Osiris but the scales still aren't balancing like so I'm like of course they're not because there's a third personality who neither one of them knows about so you can't be a whole individual if there are parts of yourself that you still don't know. And I feel like we're not going to get a Jake Lockley reveal until, like, maybe an after-credits clip in the final episode. Which, I also like the fact that there haven't been any after-credits clips so far in any of these episodes. So, I don't know. I've really enjoyed episodes four and five. Uh, I like that Layla... Even though Mark didn't kill her dad, he's responsible for the death of her dad. Uh, I can't wait to see how they battle 
Harrow and Amit and all of that good stuff. I just, I, it's been a blast the whole time. Uh, I, if Steven does come back, I'm curious to see how that works. Also, this episode ends, like, not with Mark alive again. He's still in the afterlife in the Field of Reeds, which gave me big Gladiator vibes. I was like, this is that afterlife Indeed. Russell Crowe went to in Gladiator. Real quick, I also love the fact that um, early on in the episode, Tarrett is like, oh yes, this is, uh, it's not the afterlife, it's one of the afterlives. There are multiple afterlives. And she's like, the ancestral plane is very lovely. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, and this makes sense because there's multiple different deities in comics in general, but specifically right now, Marvel. So I'm like, okay, cool. So it's not that there's just one afterlife. It's a, it's a choose your own adventure. Basically, whichever religion you believed in while you were living, that's the afterlife you go to. I was like, that's dope. So yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, technically we haven't seen Valhalla, but we know that the Norse gods, even though they're aliens, exist. We know, we've seen the, astro, the ancestral plane in Black Panther, so we've clearly got the, the Egyptian side of it. So, you know, it's probably going to be a Greek afterlife also, because we see the gods in Thor, Love, and Thunder. It's just been a, it's been a fun ride. But Ethan Hawke needs to be dealt with. He's problematic. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, I mean, uh, looking forward to the the final episode. Um, that'll be on Wednesday. A lot of stuff coming up. We got Doctor Strange, the Multiverse yeah. of Madness. Oh, uh, do you think? Because reportedly Oscar Isaac only signed on for one season of the show. Do you think we'll see Moon Knight anywhere else? It. I'm gonna go with it. Depends sort of how this ends. Mm-hmm. If they wait and do a Jake Lockley tease at the end or the post-credit clip, I would think that that means that Disney is at least hoping to bring Moon Knight back. Mm -hmm. um, if they just whip out Jake Lockley at the beginning of episode six and they wrap up the entire story and the six episodes is really a microcosm of everything interesting about Moon Knight, I think it might just be self-contained. Yeah. Um, I I think you will eventually see him again just because he is Oscar Isaac. Yeah. And I think that with, uh, you know, Kevin Feige made some kind of comment this week about how they're planning out the next decade of Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. And I think certainly when you look at the pieces you have on the board, you've got to be thinking we got to get Oscar Isaac back at some point. You can't. We've established this really interesting character. Um, surely we've got to get more than six hours out of him. Yeah. So, um, if he does show up, I th and I don't want this to turn into a whole like it's Mephisto type thing. But we are getting a Marvel Halloween special this year, Werewolf by Night, and. Moon Knight does have ties to that character, so I feel I feel like, if anything, he could pop up there. Uh, if we're getting that Blade movie, I wouldn't be mad at like a Moon Knight, Black Knight, Blade team up of sorts. I, 
Um, Honestly, I just feel like Oscar Isaac's a, it's it's a waste of his talents to just do like a six episode miniseries with that guy. Yeah. Well, um, got a lot got a lot to look forward to. Uh, got a Stranger Things season four part one premiering oh. in May. God, I can't wait for that. Um, we got uh, like I said, Doctor Strange coming out. Um, Thor in November, I believe. Got a lot of good stuff coming down the pike. So uh, we will have more coverage. We'll have finale. We'll have Doctor Strange coverage next week. We'll have finale coverage of Moon Knight. Um, I'm curious if there's going to be any tie-in between those two. Hmm. Oh. It's a lot of speculation. Alright. Logan, did you have anything else you wanted to tell the people about? No, I got nothing. I've got nothing. Well, you guys uh, know the drill. If you want to send us feedback... Uh, lnjpod at gmail.com is where you do it. If you'd like to follow us, we're on uh, Twitter at lnjpod. Uh, we're uh, Instagram, lnjpod. We are on Facebook, Logan and Jake official Facebook page. Um, and I th- I think, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't forget that you can support us if you so choose to do so. There's always a link in the show notes that says support this podcast. You can click on that. Find out how you can uh, become a monthly contributor to the podcast. Those of you who do contribute on a monthly basis, thank you. Um, and we will be back with more fun stuff next week. More quick takes and probably some hot takes. And more takes we wish we could edit. Uh, <laughs> but um, You know where to find us? Same bat time, same bat channel. Put the diamond in the coat. I put the coat on her! The man was a hero. <laughs>